I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have any money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my... If you let go of my... <laughs> it's, it, it's okay, Ray Shalgal. You can stop. It's all good. <laughs> Everybody knows what it is. It's taken. a very good quote i was i was not expecting you to pull out a quote from a big action movie that's not usually your cup of tea so <laughs> welcome to season three episode 18 of the average joe's movie Clubcast. i'm justin and i'm joey and that's <clears throat> in this episode we're gonna finish what we started a long time ago as we chat about one of joey's favorite films and the newest addition to my cringe movie bucket list as we discuss and shudder a little bit with the broken bones of the raid 2 plus my wheel of destiny has led us to check out dead man walking a movie i have been meaning to check out for a long while so glad i did and a heads up as always we do discuss our full thoughts on these films so if you've not seen them please skip avoid a skip ahead to avoid any spoilers or you could, you know, press pause and go watch one or both of them and then come back and listen to us talk about them while it's still all fresh in your head. And you can be like, hey, these guys suck. And then you can go like on Twitter or Facebook and yell at us and it'll be great. So, you know, do that. Just uh, at Joey on that one. Not, not, not me. And if you want to be a part of the movie club, just make sure to hit subscribe, that bell notification. We would love for you to listen along with us and comment. Like Joey said, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll I'll take all the heat. You can you can say that I suck. Just make sure you stroke Justin's fragile ego and tell him how great he is. Oh gosh, <laughs> here he goes. <laughs> oh, so it's almost summer. It's almost like summertime in South Carolina. D- almost not it is summertime. <laughs> Maybe not for you. You you get the ocean breeze, man. I got I'm I get nothing. It's, you know, 80, 85 and 90, like every day already. Like I went outside to go to work today and it was already like in the eighties. I was like, son of a bitch. So I think we have lost Justin. He seems to be having some audio technical difficulties. 
Well, not really a technical difficulty, just I, I had recorded some stuff for work and I had turned my mic way up, but I know if I go and edit this, it'll be like way jacked up. So um, yeah, hopefully that's much better. But um, yeah, stupid hot. Um, I mean, there's been some real nice spring days, but man, that heat's coming. It's coming too fast and it's coming too early because it's only the first couple weeks of May. Yeah, welcome, welcome to May in South Carolina. We know it, and we quotation marks love it. <laughs> At least it's not August yet, but I mean, look, if it's if it's August one, it's closer to cooling down, and two, closer to football. Mm, that's also stupid hot. So, I mean, I yes, to... but still, uh, it's. I mean, being down here in the summer, I mean, the blood thins out, you know, awfully fast as it does. So, just kind of in that transitional period. But, um, yeah, movies watching has definitely slowed down quite a bit. I've been getting into some Best Picture winners that I had seen before, but it's been forever, like Dances with Wolves and uh, what was the other long one I did? The English Patient. So it's been taking me a couple days to get those um, watched, but uh, glad I did. And I, mean, I hadn't, I hadn't seen Dances since I was speed. a little, little kid. Probably shouldn't have been watching it little. So I need to probably revisit that at some point. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore Native American uh, scalping in the kind of towards the beginning. So, um, what's happening with you, my friend? Um, well, I'm still in birthday countdown mode. Uh, ten days to my birthday. Seven days. Uh, exactly a week from today will be my last day at work before I leave for a few days to to enjoy my birthday. So I'm pretty excited for that. I'm gonna be off next friday saturday sunday and then the, that monday as well a little mini vacay going up to charlotte gonna eat some food play some cardboard crack get get my drink on hopefully you know adult things and then uh i think uh my movies have kind of picked up a little bit here recently um i think i'm looking at my letterbox stats yesterday my uh last two weeks have been my, my highest movies per week of the year back to back so um, been, I've been doing, uh, trying to go through the Mojo Top 100 and uh, movies that I own but haven't watched yet. And some of those correlate and, and are in both. Um, so if you're paying attention to my, my letterbox and you see really weird, like all action movies and then a bunch of animated movies and then more action movies or something that seems out of place, that's why. So. But I'm looking forward to getting through the Mojo Top 100. It'll be my first cleared list on Letterboxd that they have in like the stats section. So oh, I'll have to check um, that out. I didn't realize that was there. Yeah, um, it's you know right where it says like Letterboxd Top 250 and mm-hmm. all that stuff in your stats. Yeah, so I'm at like now uh, I'm at like 80 out of 100. So um, typically, me and the kids would have gone and seen uh, Doctor Strange by now, but. Had a few school things going on, some different activities, so maybe cram that in in the morning, see how it goes. I would love to go see that, but that's all money I could use towards my birthday, so... Okay. At this point, I'm probably just going to wait for it to hit streaming. Um, it's probably a good plan. I mean... It's like, going to be a while, yeah. though, on that one. Oh, well, yeah, I know, but it's just how it is. I mean, I want to see it, and I want to see Thor in theater but mm-hmm. and you know there was some other stuff you and i were just talking about off off uh cast that you know obviously like that money could go towards so we'll see what happens 
Yeah, a bunch of movies I want to see in the theater now. I mean, we'll see if we'll, we'll catch Morbius or not. I'm kind of whatever on that. Could be fun. Could be crap. Probably both. We'll see. Um, I want to see The Northman. That looks good. That does Everything, look very good. Everywhere, all at once looks good. So, yeah. Hard to go see those rated R movies when I got the fam. Because I'd actually have to like get a babysitter and like sometimes even take off work. I did that for um, when I went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood back in the day. Oh, man. If I lived closer, I'd be like, look. And you're going to tell Christina to watch the kids. You and I are going to watch this movie. But, uh, yeah, that's not very easy when you're three, three-ish hours away. So, Yeah, whenever you were actually in town, we could have seen uh, Moonfall on its opening uh, weekend. What the, what the hell is not even Moonfall? Uh, something about the moon hitting the earth or some, some kind of craziness. Is it, is, it, is it in the sky like a great big pizza pie? Uh, is it a moray? The ocarina or Majora's Mask kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> Something. All right. Let's get into some uh, movie trivia. I actually uh, didn't mind getting this ready to die. Okay. Can you name what movie Nick Cage, because, you know, Nick Cage is pretty up there in the uh, popularity right now. Got a whole movie dedicated to his uh, persona. Um, yeah. What movie did he get best actor for? Isn't that something like Moonstruck? Nope. Is it the Vegas movie? And not it is the, the dro- Vegas. Um, it's not. Is that Leaving Las Vegas? That's right. It's about alcoholism. That's okay. it. Do you know who was the original voice of Shrek before Mike Myers took over? Before Mike Myers took over mm-hmm. as Shrek. Adam it, Sandler. It's all um, good guess, but it's also in the SNL um, '90s kind of quadrant of fame. If that's a somewhat of a hint. I mean, it could be it could be anybody. It could even be a boat. When did Chris Farley die? It was Chris Farley. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I, I've heard some samples, and it's a much more melancholy Shrek. So I think they they probably went the right direction, and unfortunately, Chris Farley died. So. Probably wouldn't have had the same franchise if they would have gone that route. Either that or recasting. All right. So this this next one's kind of a multi-parter. Uh, so do you know what the top um, grossing film at the box office and 2019 was? 2019? Mm-hmm. Was that Endgame? It was Endgame. That's the highest grossing movie of all time, right? Um... I think it's supposed to be. The website I was looking at was kind of close between that one and Black Panther, which Black Panther was 2018. Um, do you know what the top grossing film of 2020 was? So 2020, we went into shutdown part of the way through the year. I have no clue. Bad Boys for Life. Oh, God damn, That is... Oh, according to Box Office Mojo here on Letterboxd, by the way, the top grossing movie of all time is still Avatar. Okay. Um, it doesn't give numbers or anything, but it's still Avatar with Endgame being second. Now, the interesting part here is how much of a money dive did um, was there 
basically, what's the difference in money that um, Endgame made compared to Bad Boys for Life? Probably roughly. something like set. Probably I don't know six to eight hundred million dollars. It was like nine billion, nine billion dollars difference. Okay, so how much? Did oh wait a minute, no. Or would that be million? I'm terrible with numbers. Well, Avengers made I'm pretty sure in the billion dollar mark. Um, I was about to say that. Uh, how much? Because isn't an end game at like eleven billion or something? I don't know how much. Are we doing domestic or worldwide? Worldwide. Okay, well, it made almost three million in the United States. Just by googling before I could finish typing. Uh, two point seven nine eight billion United or U.S. dollars, um, is what it says. Okay, so eleven billion is probably accurate. That's that's why my guess was like four, like eight hundred million dollars, because I I don't know what Bad Boys for Life made, but if it made three billion dollars, then I feel it's like two point five billion dollars or something. Okay. And the final part is, do you know what last year's uh, highest grossing movie was? 2021 highest grossing movie? Mm-hmm. Before I get to that, so Bad Boys for Life made $426.5 million. So yes, it was like $2.3 billion difference. <sighs> um, so 2021, was it Dune? Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. And so that how much sense. more did Spider-Man make compared to Bad Boys for Life? <clears throat> Probably like $1 billion. That's $2 billion. Um, The Spider-Man number was, yeah, $4 billion. Bad Boys for Life, 2 and then in-game, 11 So still haven't really bounced. The bounce box office still really hasn't bounced back, but I just thought that was an interesting um, way of kind of picturing it interesting so yeah black panther shows at 11 last jedi at 11 finding dory at 11 jurassic world at 11 guardians of the galaxy 10 iron man 3 jeez 10 the avengers 10 harry potter deathly hollows part 2 10 because like where are you at because like i'm googling like how much did spider-man no no way home make globally and it's like 1.77 billion is what it says on this box office mojo uh domestic yearly box office totals let's see spider-man yeah, it made one point zero zero three billion for a global total of one point seven four. Sent you the link just in case. All right, moving on. Let's talk about what else we've been watching lately with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alrighty then, so I have, see, watching movies at home is better, can be better, um, The Party from Hell, and hit pretty close to home. Okay, I have, trying to look at multiple things at one time, um, I have Vaya con Dios, um, Suntory Time, 
and no villains, only Groove. <laughs> okay. Uh, kind of remind me of Groot, but I think that's Despicable Me. You can tell me about Despicable Me. Yes, that is Despicable Me, but it was also supposed to be uh, like no blah, only Gruel or only Zool. Mm-hmm. That's where I was going with the reference there. So this is actually one of the movies um, I had to watch. So the box office mojo list had three of the four Despicable movies yeah. in the top 100. Okay. Two, three, and Minions. <sighs> so I had to watch one to get to two. And so far I've watched one and two. I like two more than one. Um, hmm. But it's just, they're funny. They're... I don't know. I mean, obviously they're kids' movies, but they don't. I mean, they're just entertaining. I have a good time with them. Um, the two I've watched so far, and uh, they have crazy cast doing the voice acting and stuff. I mean, the only thing that kind of bugs me is that I can tell that Gru is Steve Carell because even with his voice change, he still has that same cadence where it mm-hmm. sounds like he's Andy from Forty Year Old Version, or he sounds like Michael Scott, um, mm-hmm. just because of that cadence. Which you know he can't help. That's that's how he talks. So. Um, but still, it's uh, they've been they've been fun. Um, probably more fun than some of the other movie franchises where I'm gonna have to watch multiples to to either just to get to them to the mm-hmm. ones that are in there. Here's looking at you, Twilight, where I have to the only the fifth one is in the top 100. Um, wow. Or like Transformers, where three and four are in the top 100. <laughs> so yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so um, but having fun with the two that I've watched so far. Nice. All right. We want. We want me talking about. Uh, the party from hell. All right. So I saw this new um, Criterion, uh, the celebration. It was on the channel. Had been meaning to watch this for a while. Now, Vinterberg and Lars von Trier are kind of somewhat uh, related filmmakers, since they're both from Denmark and they were into this whole. Uh, Dogma 95 thing where like they like really did like minimalistic filmmaking. So this is a pretty cool flick. It is basically about this family who they have a celebration for the um, father whose birthday, but then some pretty um, unfortunate um, announcements get made. And at first you're like, oh, this guy can't be serious. This is too extreme. But then as the, the party goes along, they're like, eh, maybe it's, they're on to something here and things kind of fall apart and get pretty crazy and it's kind of claustrophobic feeling. Um, the celebration. I thought it was a pretty good show. Recommend it. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. It's also called Festin, and uh, that's the Danish um, title. Mm. All right. Interesting. All right, what you got? Via con Dios. Via con Dios. Um, well, Via con Dios is what uh, Johnny Utah says to Bodie at the end of Point Break. Oh. Um, my one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and you know, if you wouldn't have qualified it with that you haven't seen, it's probably what we would have been watching. <laughs> um, just gonna throw that out there. Um, but yeah, it's. It's Keanu, it's Swayze, um, it's uh, Nick. President Masks. Oh, yeah, President Mask, the ex-presidents, Bank Robin, Surfing. Oh, were you thinking about Gary Busey? Yeah, Gary Busey, that guy. (laughs) I about to say Nick Nolte, but that was wrong. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just, uh, you know, good 90s 
crime thriller, Robin mm-hmm. Banks, surfing, air, uh, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. I am an FBI agent. I am an FBI agent. <laughs> Wild, ain't it? <laughs> Love it. It's not the best movie. Like, I'm going to be real. Like, it's obviously, it's not high cinema but it is fucking great and i love it and no one can tell me otherwise Catherine bigelow directed that yes Catherine bigelow did direct that movie yeah it's it's pretty good for a cheesy 90s action flick look that's my wheelhouse don't you don't you start i will end <laughs> this podcast right now <laughs> and then Should immediately have. come back and finish it but <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, right. So we did party from hell last time mm-hmm. did you not all listen right. I didn't remember. I was looking at that thing that you sent me trying to figure it out. And yeah, the numbers on the outside don't match if you click on the actual movie links themselves. So I don't know. Maybe it's because it it says gross and whatever. Um, See, watching movies at home is better. Okay. So I rewatched this, uh, that Spider-Man No Way Home. And I actually got pretty emotional about it this time. Um, in the theater, I guess I had just kind of these expectations of what I wanted to see. And then, I mean, it went, it was pretty satisfactory, but I wish they would have gone a little further, but man, actually like taking it in at home, like quiet, not having all that hooting hollering whenever like daredevil and stuff pops up. Um, yeah, it was quite the, uh, kind of nostalgic experience, you know, just cause I kind of grew up watching all those Spider-Man movies back in high school and to see it kind of come full circle with it, with this third iteration, um, it was pretty emotional and I enjoyed it on a whole different level. Um, watching in the peace and quiet of my home without the raucous crowds. So, so I actually feel is. that I would have liked that movie a lot more if I had seen it in the theater, if okay. I had seen it opening weekend, because all the big spots where so-and-so shows up, mm-hmm. I knew about them. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't seek them out. I mean, and some of that is, you know, ahead of time. Like, we, we knew going in that there were multiple Spider-Men. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. But then it wasn't, you, know, you didn't know who all the villains were. You didn't know that uh, Matt Murdock was going to be there until they, you know, like, you can't not be on the internet for that long. At these, I mean, so I... I thought that movie was very underwhelming i didn't see honestly what the big deal is it's like not even in my top 25 movies i've watched so far this year like oh my goodness yeah no um it was i i don't think it's bad i just thought it was very underwhelming like i just like also and i get it that it's a movie and sometimes you have to do dumb things to make movies happen but like this movie doesn't happen if peter just goes this is what i want and not, hey, add this, add this, add this. Or if Doctor Strange is like, okay, here are the specifications. Like, both of those people are way too smart to make the kind of mistake they made at the beginning that set up this whole movie. Mm-hmm. So that also kind of bothered me. But again, whatever movie, it happens. Yep. Lots of dumb decisions go into movie conflict. So. Okay. Your uh, Centauri, is that... That sounds familiar. Is that like Japanese? Uh, it is Japanese whiskey. Okay. Did you watch um, um, that uh, Bill Murray show? It, it does star Bill Murray, yes. <laughs> Did you watch, um, I forget what it's called, uh, the one with Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, that's the one. It's okay. lost in translation. Yeah. 
But Lost enough, I've, I've had Suntory whiskey and it is very good. Okay. Um, I'm not even a whiskey person and it's very good. Like you go talk to Carl or some of our other, uh, my other friends, his other friends that are big whiskey people. And it's like, apparently like, like the top shit. So, mm. but, um, no, I like that movie. Um, I actually liked it quite a lot. Um, have you seen it before? No, I'd never seen it before. It was one of the, I, I, oh, this movie's on my shelf. I haven't watched it. Let's go. Um, okay. And, you know, of course, that's Carl two, Johansson. Uh, two female directed movies in your uh, Good, Bad, and Ugly. Kudos. I mean, we all know how I feel about uh, about the ladies. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I mean, uh, very young Scar jo, uh much younger Bill Murray, who's still kind of already old. But, um, I mean, it was it – was, like stuff didn't happen, but it did happen. It was one of those kind of movies. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just kind of sucked into the story of what was happening between the two of them and their um, very strange friendship relationship going on. And mm-hmm. definitely, definitely um, recommend going to check it out. I enjoyed seeing they were in the, the arcade and the people were playing like fucking Guitar Hero. And I was like, oh man, no, this is old. And they were fucking Guitar Hero in the. Came out like 2000, 2001, right? Uh, somewhere, somewhere in that ballpark is mm-hmm. the correct answer. Uh, I saw it on DVD, like when it first came out. Like my dad, like randomly picked it up. It's like, what is this? Watched it and kind of a two two thousand three. Okay. So the year we graduated the high school. All right, all right. It was actually one of my. I picked it up for a dollar. I think I, I picked it up for a dollar. Yeah, that or it came in one of the random boxes from um. Second and Charles, I can't remember, but okay, yeah. So, all right, so you have close to home, hit close to home. Yeah, I watched this uh divorce movie, um, Kramer versus Kramer, one best picture, I believe it was 79. Gosh, Dustin Hoffman's an incredible actor. I think this might have been the first time I ever saw Meryl Streep in a film, and I can definitely see my high school brain just being totally driven crazy by her just in terms of like how she's kind of like this. She wants to be more independent or whatever. And that's just not where my brain was for um, relationships back in high school as, you know, you develop and get mature. Um, yeah. Yes. The the best part about this, I thought, was the fact that like the chemistry between Dustin Hoffman and the kid felt like so authentic and like the fact that like all the trouble the kid gets into is like the same kind of scenarios I do with all the time with, you know, raising my uh, three kids and a lot of times my wife's at work. So it's just me. So I kind of feel like a single dad sometimes. So, um, yeah, it was very, uh, yeah, hit close to home. Um, see this, uh, emotional, uh, courtroom drama, uh, play out and revisit it again. I thought it was quite, quite good. Kramer versus Kramer. I'll have to check that out. I've been meaning, um, Cause I like a good courtroom drama. Um, the year where I got to see, uh, no time to kill, I think is the right name. And, um, the military one, a few good men. Like mm-hmm. I saw them, uh, like within a couple yeah. weeks of each other. Oh, a time to kill, right? A With, time uh, to kill. Yeah. McConaughey. Yeah. Maddie Mac and Sandy B, I believe it's right. Um, yeah, no, that movie was fantastic. Both of those were great. So I like those and I've been meaning to watch 12 Angry Men for a long time. I just haven't gotten oh, to yeah. it yet. So yeah, it's a very easy watch. Good one too. And yeah, Kramer versus Kramer, definitely a, um, predecessor to, uh, you know, what marriage story would do. 
Oh, Marriage Story still sitting at the number one spot for the year. Oh, okay. Uh, the only didn't thing... watch it the year it came out. <laughs> it was on um, Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I watched it too. Um, it's still barely, it's just uh, essentially tied um, with Parasite. Those two movies were just so good. Okay. All right, let's get into this featured movie. This is uh, my f- category for Joey, which was a favorite of his that I'd never seen before. Um, so, and yeah, let's see what Wikipedia had to say. Mm-hmm. In interjection, so that made me have to stretch out some uh my my search there i don't know if i would have picked the raid two had he not included that clause but here we are not to be confused with santa (laughs) not yet anyway all right the raid two is a 2014 indonesian action crime film written directed by uh welsh filmmaker uh gareth evans so yeah, that was kind of surprising to hear that a, a white dude directed this, but as you would. Um, it is a sequel to 2011's The Raid. Was that also done by Evans? Do you know? Yes, they were both Gareth Evans. Okay. In the story, Special Forces Officer Rama is sent undercover to expose the corrupt police officials uh, colluding with the crime families of Jakarta's criminal underworld. Like Evans' previous films, Marantu and The Raid, the fight scenes showcase the Indonesian fighting style of Pinkak Salate. Did I get any of that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, and just part of the reason that I picked this was because we did The Raid back in season one. Mm-hmm. Was it like episode three? I don't know. It was real early. It was one of the first ones we did. Yeah, it's like so, one of the first challenges you gave me. Yeah, I bitched it, about the subtitles. And I think that was the first time we, the first of many times we had <laughs> that conversation. Just um, so rapid fire, I remember. Oh, um, I watched the movie this morning, Wolf Warrior 2 and Wolf Warrior I watched last night. Both of their subtitles were just lightning fast. There were some I couldn't even read and I was like, good Lord. Um, hmm. but go back and check out that old episode so you know see what we thought about that one versus see what we thought about this one. Plus, obviously, it would probably be a good way to check out and see how we've grown in a few years as well. All right. So, what makes this one of your favorite shows? I mean, because it's a badass martial arts action movie. Okay. I mean, is definitely. Uh, I think this is actually. I'm gonna be real. Like. I don't think I'd seen this since theaters. I did not remember very much of it. I remembered the fight at the end with the baseball bat, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. And mm-hmm. that was really it. I didn't remember the premise. I didn't remember the opening beginning scene. Like I, I don't think I'd seen this since theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had been a hot minute. I might may, I may have seen it once on Blu-ray since then, but um, so I, it was hard to pick a favorite that you hadn't seen. And I think, I, like I said, at the end of the last episode, it was down to a couple. And this one, we had already watched the first one on here. So it just kind of made sense to to finish it out. Now, what are your thoughts on this one compared to the first one? The first one is much better. Okay. Um, and part of that is the first one is like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. And this one is two and a half hours. And mm-hmm. the first one, you have a story. It's very straight to the point. Um, there's a drug lord 
has a building, we're going in to take it. Very much like uh, the Judge Dredge remake or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's like, this is what we're going to do. Um, whereas this one, it continues the same story. It's the same characters that uh, lived through the first one. and But now you've got this police officer getting sent to jail to come out to investigate kind of very like departed infernal affairs kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, kind of long and I felt like it was overly long. Like this kind of movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, still enjoyable, still a fun watch, but I, I did downgrade it when we, when we got to the rating, like I did downgrade it um this time around. Now, there's parts about this one I liked more than the first one, just because I think the the first one was a little bit um, tat, uh, not tattered, um, tarnished because I did um, so familiar with the story from uh, Dread, even though it's you know it's different, but like just the idea that the confined setting of it, I mean, it definitely had some great action set pieces, but on a whole, I liked how this was telling a a bigger story, but at the same time, um, that was a drawback here. Um, now I watched the goofy uh, dub version, which was definitely had issues. But um, for a two and a half hour uh, movie, I I sucked it up on those uh, those crappy dubs just to um, yeah not have to put too much effort into uh, getting this one down. <clears throat> so yeah, no, I uh, the the raid Blu-ray starts on dubs for some reason, uh, or the raid two, the raid one starts in Indonesia and the raid two starts in in dubs. And I heard like the first line and I was like, no, no, that's that's they were not good dubs. So <laughs> more power to you for for making it through that, brother. And I think in retrospect, I probably it was probably a good thing I did watch kind of the goofy um, dialogue just because it is such an intense movie that it kind of helped um soften the blow of that at times because there was there was times where i was kind of like kind of was um maybe kind of short of breath just because i was so like you know on edge because of you know how uncomfortable i was just by like i think it was mostly that mud scene is whenever um you know every other second it was like uh, you were hearing bones breaking it was quite um, stomach churning (laughs) So yeah, this movie has like these really big fights, crazy fights, and then long periods with nothing, and then like a big fight, and then you get uh-huh. to the end, and it's like just like the, what the last probably thirty minutes is basically a fight. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the mud, the choreographing, and everything, or choreography, I guess, um, whatever you want to call it, for that 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 fight in the mud in the prison was crazy. Um, I like the one at the bathroom at the beginning as well. Um, okay. well, I mean, obviously different, but, um, you know, that same thing as the three as 300 where, you know, let them in through the door, you know, they can only come in like one at a time. You can bite them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, didn't, didn't work out super swell, but that same kind of thought was kind of went through my head when, when I was watching that. The raid is a perfect title for the first one or the raid redemption, but, um, calling this the raid two is kind of misleading because it's like just the, like a bunch of fights. It's not really a raid anywhere. Yeah. Anything, no, there is, you call it the raids. <laughs> yeah. There is, there is no like straight up raid or anything, but I guess it was just for kind simplicity. of himself in with uh, the franchise. Yeah, title. Yeah. When you get the raid redemption and then, so I, I, I mean, 
I guess it's just for simplicity. I mean, you could have called it, you know, something else, you know, and then put the raid two underneath it or the sequel to the raid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just much easier when it's raid one, raid or the raid, and then the raid two. So, mm-hmm. um, I really loved it. A lot of uh, tall grass shots throughout it, which um, I've seen a lot in um, like some Japanese movies. So um, I wonder if that's just like kind of a signature look that they have over there. I mean, I probably they probably have a lot of fields and stuff where they have the tall grass, and mm-hmm. so I mean, it does. Onibaba is a good one with tall grass. What's the other one? Um, oh, that's one I still need to see. Um, the guy who did Parasite did. Oh, uh, mem- Memoirs of Murder. That's a really oh, good. Oh yeah, grass I, I want to see that one. That has tall. Gra- it has it right on the cover of the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really great um, visuals there with that. Um, yeah, I agree. Way way too much story in this thing. They really stretch it out, and they even like add stuff in there, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. So if they cut. A lot of the bullshit in this. I think this would have been a much tighter, more enjoyable uh, flick. Um, but yeah, uh, did you want to sum up the story? I mean, it's I kind of flicked back through it, and it's real quick. I mean, they're killing this one guy, then they're telling this the, the other guy, I guess, from the, the previous movie that he's going to go undercover in jail, and, and yeah, he so ends it, up it, like messing with the wrong, like a politician's son or something and getting himself into some hot water it was kind of confusing rama who is he was a rookie he was like the rookie guy um in the raid one and uh reza i think was the 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 leader and was you know hey he's fine um told him to come along and he's the guy who ends up being sub-zero in um mortal the new mortal Kombat, and then rama is eco uwise or whatever and so he mm-hmm. survives and they've got the corrupt lieutenant and they go see his brother who was one of the bad guys tells him to go see a certain guy he's a good person and that guy turns out he leaves like basically um um internal and he leads the internal affairs ia yeah he leaves the internal affairs mm-hmm. group or whatever and they sh- straight up just shoot the old man and then, you know, a little while later, they show Rama is he's they're going to put him in jail to get next to this guy because his father's the one who ordered the hit or because of corrupted politicians. His father's the one who, you know, through his crime syndicate ordered the hit. So, yeah, he beats up a politician's kid, the same one that the leader of the syndicate's son beat up so they're both in jail for beating up the same person and that was like mm-hmm. hey this is what we have in common and then he helped save him in the mud fight and then he mm-hmm. gets out and now he's in the syndicate essentially um kind of um helping pick up packages and, and money with the son and that yep. and then looking for revenge um mm-hmm. for his brother yeah, and that kind of brings us to the more the, the part of the story that's much easier to follow. Um, now, you said you liked the bathroom fight. I thought that was kind of the wrong fight to lead off with because it was so, like, sudden and confined and you could barely tell what was going on other than a bunch of, like, bodies piling on top of each other. So, I mean, I, not I, my favorite scene, but it was it was awfully intense. And too much shaky cam in this. Jeez. 
I mean, I think, I mean, the shaky cam, like, I know people complain about that in, like, the Borna series, which I also just finished watching. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's shaky because they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be, from the perspective, like, the person's fighting, it's supposed to be moving, mm-hmm. like, like, it's not supposed to be still. Um, but, I mean, the first movie was also very confined, so, like, it, I think it was kind of maybe that was, oh, here's your confined fight. Because most of your other fights aren't really that confined throughout, other than, I guess, the mm-hmm. train fight. And let's be real, that wasn't really a fight, that was a murder. Um <laughs> The other one that kind of bothered me was um, right before the badass uh, car chase, um, they start fighting in the car, and that was kind of claustrophobic as well. Oh, yeah. But, the, um, the, the, I did not like the, like the fighting in the car. Like, I liked the car chase. The car chase was great. Yeah. But the, the fighting mm-hmm. in the car, it's just like, uh, it just feels, I, I don't know. Like, there was nothing wrong with it. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, this is bad. There was just something about it where I was just like, you just... Uh, I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I mean, they have all these great martial arts, and whenever they're they're only punching a few like inches away from them, it, it kind of takes out like the visual like um, style of like the beauty of that fight, that fighting style. It's like it's not like um, what's the like it's an unbok or something. Like you really like see the guy's like you know moves in action, and it's a lot more fun to take in where this is more like desperate like scrambling for punches and it's um you know a little more frantic so much different style i mean yeah and i guess it's kind of obviously supposed to be frantic but i mean you definitely get to see a lot of it on on style but also i mean it definitely like especially look at like mad dog and you know he was definitely trying to fight like movie tie style and put people in the clinch and in parts and other parts it was just they were going balls to the wall um so I, I mean I think that's you know I guess that's part of it, but I mean like, with it being like you said um, frantic and you know they're just I got to get a hit in before I get hit kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. I mean it's interesting to see people you know doing the stuff that they were doing in that small of of uh, confinement. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because I first I took my first uh, kimpo karate lesson last night so. Um... Yeah, just to throw that out there. Yeah, the kiddos were wanting to do that with me. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be a white belt again. Did you ever do martial arts? Nope, I never did. My brother and sister are both multiple-time black belts in American karate, but um, I I have never done anything, yeah. Damn, he got screwed on that prison sentence because it was just supposed to be a couple months. You know, he says goodbye to his wife, and then two years later? Yeah. Because the politician pulled some punches and, you know, kind of, kind of uh, expected. Uh, by far, I thought the, the camera angles and the dynamics of, like, the composition of the shots. Like, you had, like, these overheads. I mean, the camera's going everywhere, and it's really fun to watch most of the time. And um, one thing I wanted to pick up on was you had said like the camera was kind of shaking with some of the characters and you could see that in it was towards the end this guy jumps through like a window and like the camera kind of goes sideways and i thought that was a really cool way of like bringing the camera into the action oh yeah for sure there's there's definitely some good camera work they put a lot of time and effort into the fight scenes and making them look the way that they did for for mm-hmm. sure now, back to that mud scene. Like, <laughs> there's violence where, like, it's fun to watch. And this was just violence that was, like, <laughs> unfortunately, really uncomfortable to watch. Because it was, like, every other second, like, that you'd, you'd see, like, people's, like, 
it's like broken bottles going into like necks and blood going everywhere there and crunching and <laughs> it's it quite unsettling all the um body parts um on clear um alert <laughs> throughout this I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's, that is, I mean, they are definitely brutal movies for sure. Um, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe because I had just watched The Raid and, you know, I'd watched a bunch of other action movies, like it didn't come at me that way. But I mean, they definitely did break like a lot of bones and you did have people getting stabbed and stabbed a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I think someone got beat with a rock um, in that scene. So, I mean, Probably. it was definitely... Um, it was definitely a very intense fight scene for sure. Plus you wouldn't like actually just being in that like mud would be kind of an icky feeling. So that on top of like the threat of, you know, getting your arms like snapped that, off. I, I do like that. They showed like slide, like they, you know, they were sliding and fighting for their footing and stuff in that. I thought, I mean, mm-hmm. like there's too many times where you see, you'll get into a fight and, something like that. Well, it's just there for aesthetics where they actually like incorporated it in instead. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, really? I mean, it was such, such thick mud. I don't like, I mean, they really didn't have any other option. It was, it was all over the place, but yeah, I, I suppose they could have done some movie magic, but you're absolutely right that, um, yeah, they incorporated that. Well, and now flicking back through it, I noticed the prison stuff was only 30 minutes, but I swear it felt like an hour on my, when I was first going through it. Yeah, he did seem like he was in prison for a long time to not really be, but they probably could have trimmed. I want to say they could trim some of that down, but what are we trimming? The two fight scenes? Are we trimming where they're, you know, kind of trying to build a story where he's getting talked shit to? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, the mud scene fight scene was great, but it was very long. I mean, maybe you trim a, something there. I, I hate to say that because as good as it was, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you had already said it, but it definitely did remind me of The Departed. Um, never seen Infernal Affairs, so maybe oh, that'll be your next recommendation. Infernal Affairs is very good. It's the movie that uh, Marty based The Departed on. Mm-hmm. So it's very good. All right, so flashing forward a little bit, um, you get the scene where they um, kind of crash into a smut studio. They got they're filming some, they're filming some um, kind of raunchy pornography and. Um, yeah, they want some more money, and so everybody gets shot up in that place. The uh, the people printing those pretty cool looking discs, the uh, the actors themselves, and yeah, everybody's getting shot. Oh yeah, because you know the the guy running the porno biz was also selling some powder and wasn't mm-hmm. paying for that protection, and uh, dudes wanted to. I guess they thought they were big shots, and then they they ran into Prison Boy and Rama and got um they got fucked up. <laughs> like everybody else in the movie there's a lot of moments throughout this where you can kind of tell that they're being they're trying maybe they're going for being a little edgier because i mean they're talking about that that girl's talking about fucking a guy in the ass and then later on there's like really misogynistic with the um the boss's son who's pissed off about his father who's calling you know bitches and either you're gonna sing or you're gonna fuck me stuff so um yeah it definitely had um it's out to be, you know, kind of at your throat throughout. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, even though, you know, it was, it was eight years ago, isn't that long? Like, think about how we make, people make movies now compared to then in just that short amount of time. Like, when you're like, oh man, you see someone, hey, then just straight call women bitches and you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, that's mm-hmm. just 
it's it's so much different now in just less than a decade. Hmm. And I, it's curious to think if you know, like an Asian gangster flick, you know, would still have that um, approach or not. You de- I, it definitely would be a little bit different in, in Western cinema. I would think. I'm not sure about around the world. Um, okay, here's a, a character where you might have been able to skin down, uh, um, skinny down his story. So you have the hobo hitman guy, um, mm-hmm. which the whole part where like he's meeting with his wife and he wants to see his kid, but he can't see his kid, and then he has this whole sit down where they're talking about like the family legacy. I mean, all that was a little stretched out in my opinion. I'm not sure if you did the hobo hitman add much for you. No, other than it was the same guy who was Mad Dog, and. They, you know, wanted to hide that, but I mean, it was him. Hmm. If it wasn't him, then well, kudos for a lookalike, but I'm 99% sure that was him because, I mean, he's such a good fighter, but it's like, oh, well, y'all kind of made him dead in the first one, so you can't be that guy anymore. Hmm. Um, okay. So. Man, that uh, the, sl- the slicing of the next scene, that was another brutal benchmark for me. Uh, that was whenever the crime boss teamed up with that other dude, and he's just like basically like prove you prove your loyalty, and so he has to slit all these guys' throats. Oh, okay. Oh, you're talking about where he with the other, the crime boss, the much smaller syndicate, the half Arab guy, the guy who shoots Andy at the very beginning, that guy with the right. cane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know. Um, and then you, what you find out later about that whole scene too is kind of crazy. Um. So, is it the hobo hitman? I think he has the rapid punch. Oh, and I totally forgot the scene where our main character, our main character is Rama, right? Yes. Whenever he's um, punching the uh, prison wall, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Oh yeah, he's just you know practicing, but he's hard punching. I mean, kind of. You think back to I think it's Kickboxer with Jean Claude and um, the. The Thai, the Thai dude is just sitting there, you know, kicking his shin against a tree, against the baseboard of the door. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. against the baseboard of the door, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you're not breaking that leg. That leg is gonna fuck you up." Tongpo, Tonpo, Tongpo. I think that's his name. Probably one of my favorite scenes is whenever we get this kind of this classical music playing when they're gonna betray. I think this is the whole. Um... I think the fight for the hobo hitman kind of spills off into this alley and somebody ends up killing him and with these curved, awesome looking blades. And um, I need to look up what that song is. I remember hearing something similar to that, like in church around Easter time. And it's kind of about like betrayal. So maybe that was the same song. Anyways, it it set a pretty good vibe. And um, yeah, like the upward or the downward shot of the uh, guy with the blood splatter all around kind of gave this kind of a, a little bit of a samurai feel um especially with the length of the movie so maybe they were going for that i mean possibly yeah it definitely could have been an homage to to some samurai style movies yeah but yeah i think my favorite part would be bat hammer girl and bat boy especially whenever bat boy asked for the ball because he is one good uh, hit away from oh, yeah. knocking you out your ass down but Hammer Girl, you? where she gets on the train and mm-hmm. uh, fucks them guys up, like just with the hammers. And I and I don't. I, we're not talking about like hammer that you see on a video game or like a dwarf would carry or something. No, this is the old boy hammer, just just a Two regular claw hammer. Two mm-hmm. of them, dual wielding, baby. Fucking, I would not want to fight her. And she was deaf. Pretty so, much. Yeah. 
All right, so the main crime guy, um, boss, he gets executed by his son. Um, now we get to that awesome car fight, or not, the, the awesome car chase, which starts with the claustrophobic um, inside the car battle. It's kind of through a lot of the chase, too. It's through a, a good portion of it. It definitely, the, the moments where like people were like hanging out the window and dra- dragging on the road. I mean, that's pretty intense, hardcore, but at the same time, it definitely stuck in my mind for being pretty intense but memorable and um, badass, I guess. Did you notice where they, they're like all of a sudden in like this like, how do I describe? I want to describe as like just Chernobyl. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like all these like bombed maybe- out apartment buildings. Or maybe part old parts of Hiroshima or Nagasaki, maybe. Except for they're uh, not in Japan, so never mind. Well, I think or, those bombs would have blown away the buildings. I mean, these were like hollowed out, like. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not Chernobyl. Um, but yeah, no, it's just these old. They definitely look like they've been in a fucking battle. Yeah, I don't know where why. Well, it definitely wasn't Chernobyl because that would be all the way in Ukraine. But um, but yeah, it just had that look. That's all I was getting at. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely had that, like, some sort of meltdown or big explosion or something. So. And then before long, we get to the climax. We get uh, the showdown in that. We get a pretty cool um, hallway showdown scene between uh, Rama, the Hammer Girl, and Bat Boy. So he takes him down. Man, that bat going every which way, bashing people. Um, quite thrilling. Um, kitchen battle is the final one. That's where he takes on. Um, you probably know more about that guy, but he had the curved blades, and he's like taunting him throughout, which was pretty cool. Yeah, he was the guy who beat his ass right before the start of the um the car chase scene. Oh. That's how he was tied up in the car chase, and he had done something else somewhere in the movie, fuck some people up or something. So he had that crazy bloody smile at one point and gosh he gets stabbed and stabbed and stabbed and stabbed. Oh, we're not we're not going to finally talk about dies. <laughs> the, the the how the bat boy dies. Like I'll go ahead. Where you know he gets his face caved in with his baseball bat and it's stuck in there and Sounds he right. falls over and yeah. And uh Hammer Girl got she got hammered, right? Yeah, it was when he he didn't really use weapons. He just used their weapons against them. That um, sounds right. Yeah, but no, he fucked that dude up with that baseball bat. Good lord, that mm-hmm. see that was the thing I remembered was the bait the it's sticking in his face. Oh, I uh, remember the the scene a uh, scene not too long afterwards where he um, puts the shotgun in that one guy's face and blows half of it off. Ugh. Oh yeah, dude. Then we get to the end and it's like the big gunfight, and then you've got um, the son realizes that the dude sacrificed his own men. Um, and he ends up shooting him. So Rama doesn't even get revenge because, you know, that was the guy who killed him, but the other dude killed him. Mm-hmm. Not so much so. killing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. People are dying left and right. It was a pretty sweet ending, though, how he's just, like, kind of stumbling out of through all these, like, um, rooms filled with guys that he beat the shit out of. And then he, he gets to all the cops. He's like, yeah, I'm done. And that's it. Right to. Yeah. He should have just thrown his badge, and then we could have had, you know, another uh, <laughs> ripoff of uh, Point, point Blank. Yeah, Point Blank. So, awesome visuals, big bloated cliche kind of crime story, over intense violence, but some freaking sweet, awesome fight set pieces. Um, 
did I rate this? I think I would rate it about um, probably a three and a half. Um, somewhere like maybe a four. I did think I, about it a little more. I had it rated as a five. I don't like I said, I don't think I had watched it since I had started Letterboxd. I just was doing it off of my memory. Um, I put it down to a four just because you take 20 or 30 minutes out somewhere, even in some of the fight scenes or just mm-hmm. whatever. And it just, it flows a lot better. Um, and I, yeah, I don't remember before going, Oh man, this is like the departed. And now I'm like, Oh, it's the departed. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would probably give it a four. Still give the first one a five though. The first one is fucking chef's kiss. And right after the break, feeling what it's like to have compassion for the worst kind of person imaginable. We'll see how Susan Sarandon's character deals with just that kind of conflict in Dead Man Walking. Coming up right after this. talking about my wheel of destiny pick dead man walking it is from 1995 an american crime drama film starring susan sarandon sean penn co-produced and directed by tim robbins did you see that it was directed by tim robbins i did it was like the first thing i noticed and then i noticed that who the star of the movie was yeah because he's married to susan right I think, are they married or are they one of the people who don't, they've just been together for a hundred years? I thought they were married. Maybe you can look that up for me. Um, Let's see, it is based on a book of the same name from 1993. Um, Basically the story, a sister, Prejean, establishes a special relationship with Matthew Ponsillet, played by Penn. A character based on convicted murderers, uh, Elmo Patrick Sooner and Robert Lee Willie, or Wiley. Not sure why I always um, corner myself into naming, doing these names without practicing. Uh, he is a prisoner on death row in Louisiana, and she visits him as his spiritual advisor after corresponding with him. Now, I saw you kind of had um, not the highest rating for this film. I think I saw something about things didn't quite fall into place for you. So I'm very curious to hear about that, especially since you had an unfavorable opinion of the last execution we watched in a movie. Huh. Okay, so first off, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins split in December of 2009 uh-huh. after having been together for 23 years. Okay. Um, so I don't no without clicking further if they were married but they were definitely together for 23 years they were together for a long time um so no actually like my issue so like okay so the last movie um back in the season premiere of uh season two i believe is what you're referring Mm to in um dancer in the dark yes um I didn't really feel like we needed that execution. The movie was already so fucking long. Oh, my God. Um, But you want to talk about something that was brutal and jarring, like, just the way it was done. Like, the scene was shot very Mm -hmm. well. But 
might have actually been one of the best shot scenes in that whole movie. But um, this one, like, so you had a good director or, you know, there was no problem from it being, like, directed. There was no problem with the actors. Like, I believe that Sean Penn is a scumbag because Sean Penn is, in fact, a fucking scumbag. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, Susan Sarandon, I believe that she would be the... The, I believe they put it the bleeding heart, uh-huh. um, you know, character or whatever. So I mean, there was there was nothing from that aspect of it. It just, I don't know. It just there was something about it where it felt like it was missing something. And I don't really know what it okay. was. Um, like at two hours, it's not you know it's not short, but it's not long. You know, it's a pretty average runtime is two hours. I thought um, it went by at a pretty. So good it wasn't click. anything where. Um, I think if we had watched it on not Pluto, um, and didn't have probably an extra 30 minutes added for Mm -hmm. commercials. Yeah. And plus they did the commercials poorly. Like, so if you ever watch anything on Tubi, like they don't do a ton of commercials, but they also count it down and they kind of look like they try to put them in places where like, if it was shown on Mm -hmm. TV, it would be a commercial. Um, and in this, there was just to be in the middle of a sentence and be a fucking commercial out of nowhere. And you're like, wait, why am I looking at this commercial for a car? And it was the same commercials in the same order every oh, yeah. time. Okay. Um, so and, that, and maybe that had something to do with it. It's 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 hard to say. Um, but like again, by no means was this movie bad or anything. It just it was just missing that that something to make me go, damn! I'll remember this movie in six months to a year. Okay. Let's dive into uh, yeah. some of our notes. Um, I'll probably get it get into it in my final wrap up, but um. I really like the stylistic element here to where we got a lot of flashbacks and the flashbacks kind of look like home movie footage. So it was kind of had kind of a more um, real feel to it because um, we see a lot of stuff like there's a, um, some movie footage of like her becoming a nun, some kind of traumatic moments in her childhood. So I like how that kind of flavored like who she was as this nun um, in this very difficult situation that she doesn't really know exactly what she's getting into. Oh yeah. No, like, um, I definitely thought, you know, her, you know, not really knowing what she was doing, trying to navigate doing what she thinks is right versus, you know, public opinion and all of that was, it was a very, uh, very interesting. And she seems like so comfortable and in a groove at the beginning when she's working with her students and, um, she's just kind of, loosely conversating with that that one guy who i guess is involved with riding back and forth with this death row inmate and um yeah he's just like oh you know i made some progress with this do you want to um meet with him like he's asking and you know she does it and that kind of brings us to uh you know the main plot of the, the movie as she um first of all meets with the prison um priest yeah with the chaplain i guess is what he's oh, is called. he the chaplain? Okay, I wasn't um, sure if um, actual like ordained priests are considered chaplains or not. Yeah, I, I think he's the chaplain. He might be a priest. I mean, he probably... had the collar, so I guess that's the other reason I assume. Yeah, but I mean, it's probably just uh, probably regional or maybe something like that kind of thing. Like it's it's one, it's the same thing, different name kind of thing in that situation, okay. probably or very similar. I'm guessing. So there's a neat contrast there between her as kind of like the novice nun and him as like the hardened um, 
priest who's probably worked with a lot of these guys and probably been deceived in his own right. Um, it kind of had a, a clockwork orange feel a little bit because there's some um, prison uh, priest in that movie too um, and an inmate uh, being kind of manipulative. So yeah, it was uh, interesting to see how they were both of the cloth, but um, he was definitely had a much harder view on the situation than, than she did going in. Yeah, it's a, again one of those things where you see where the people, they're you know they're both of the cloth, but one's also you know been dealing with just hardened criminals, murderers, rapists, that kind of stuff, and the other one is dealing with people who are uh, less fortunate, kind of thing, and and you know trying to teach them and help them, and so it's a much different world environment. View, yeah, because it's, it's it's pretty um. Yeah friendly i mean she's teaching kids how to play checkers um she lives in this this black community where she's trying to help out so yeah a lot of interesting um and i like how the film doesn't really go into how she feels about things it more or less just kind of show gives you a taste of it through its visuals so i thought that was a great way of it definitely has the look of like a normie movie but um with the touches to it to make it a lot more artistic and thoughtful i thought yeah all right um okay so that brings us to the first time she meets um sean penn's character and uh, i just loved how like you can't see at all like what he looks like because like the um there's like these this metal screen in between them so you really don't know what to think of him at first and that you know that goes right into the psychology of the actual scene she doesn't know what to expect from this guy especially since he was she was conditioned to think you know he's probably going to try to manipulate me which he probably does to an extent yeah and there's um there's a good that's one of the first times you, you start to see his character and it was very we're, we're talking about things being made differently this movie was made in 1995 mm-hmm. and obviously he's a guy there in louisiana he's from the south um you know he just casually drops the n-word in there two or three mm-hmm. times in this conversation and again later and they end up having a conversation about where she he doesn't like lazy people asking for handouts. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I mean, you so talk you know, to very... a lot of conservative folks here, like major Fox News watchers, and, you know, they'll say some of the same rhetoric, unfortunately, still today. So, Yeah, and it was, a, you know, one of those things like, um, I was like, man, I feel like I've heard a lot of that same stuff from people in my family, mm-hmm. like almost verbatim. Um, even to the point where when he was just like, she was like, oh, well, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. hate black people. You hate lazy people. And I've heard people in my family go, yeah, that's uh, I use that word for any color. It means a lazy person or a shitty person. And I'm like, that's like, OK, you might you might in like, let's be realistic. Like you might really let's say you really did actually believe that in your heart of hearts and didn't just want an excuse to drop the mm-hmm. N word. Like, that's still not how that works. That's still not what that word means. Like, that word's never going to mean that. Like, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Like, you not not anymore. It never should have been done, obviously. But, again, kind of like we talked about in Pulp Fiction, the 90s was a different time. Also, it's, you know, we're, we're looking at a person who's not a good person. So, them saying that is not, uh, like, I guess, out of character kind of thing, even though we literally just met the character at this point. Because, I mean, they say they mean that... Um... They don't like any person that's taking government handouts, but at the same time, by you know purposely directing it at towards black people, you know he's he's being a bully. 
So, um, and there's even that scene where oh, like, yeah, he's for talking, sure. like, why do you, you know, why, why do black people bothering you? And he's just like, oh, we got jumped. And then he tells that story and it starts off with him and his brother, like throwing rocks at people. It's just like, well, of course they jumped you later if you're throwing rocks at them. Well, 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 yeah. What do you, what do you expect? I mean, you, you can see so many of the, the things like if we go the movie I actually would love for us to de- dive into at some point in here, but uh, American History mm-hmm. X, where you know they they talk all the shit on the basketball court um, after they win that game, and then you know and all the other stuff that they did up to that point, but then you know, it circles back around, and, and that whole movie is just violence mm-hmm. and hate, and that was that was another one of those big eye-opening movies for me when I was younger and saw it for the first time, and I even saw it on cable for the first time, and it was still like, oh my god, um, so. Anyway, did you think much of the possum flashback? I, those were some really interesting scenes because, like, at first she's like beating on this dead possum, and but then she seems like upset about it. So, like, I kind of was like picking up some things that like might be digging into like her internal guilt about certain things and like the fact that she was with a bunch of friends and they were all pounding on this possum. It was kind of this, this mob mentality thing, which we kind of see later on in terms of, um, you know, all the innocent people wanting you know the scum of the earth to you know rot and not rot but get fried yeah i'm i'm actually having a hard time picturing the possum flashback yeah it's 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 pretty brief um um do you do remember the weird dream sequence where like she sees like the victims of the murders and sean penn like all sitting at the table with her family and then it like pans over to her and she's like this teenager crying in this other room yeah the dreams were weird and i feel like that was somewhere where there was a commercial and like the cuts coming back and from the commercials were also weird so but yeah that i mean that that does sound familiar and then it's not easy to defend this guy to begin with because the more you know him like Yes, you sympathize with a lot of the aspects about him, but at the same time, you kind of dislike him too because we kind of find out that he's like a neo-Nazi and he has these Hitler tats and stuff. And that that part of the movie was a little weak because all of a sudden they start they drop this like media interview where he's talking about how great Hitler is and stuff, and like kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, like it said that you know what was it that Hitler had good ideas, mm-hmm. and then it was you know. The Holocaust was alleged or something, and that was a little bit mm-hmm. later in the movie. Like, but yeah, he got it got to a point where it was very hard to defend him, um, because you know he would he would say and talk one way with her, and he would still have his bravado and everything. But you could also feel like okay, he, you know, he he's not great, but he's not terrible mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you're getting these kind of flashbacks, you know, piecemeal of what actually happened, and so you're like okay, maybe he doesn't deserve to fry. Maybe he does just need to life in prison as a, um, as an accessory. And then, you know, you get the scene where he's spouting out the rhetoric and then you get to the scene near the end where you finally see like one of the, the, the swastikas Mm -hmm. and it's, and then when you find out what really happened, like near the very end, it's like, Oh, okay. But he definitely just, um, you know, trying to be trying to be hard. Yes. You know, like you got to put on that front because he's mm-hmm. in prison and all. Yeah, of that. there was some interesting complexity in it. Again, I liked how it wasn't all like real. Like there was parts um, concealed about him that didn't come out until later. So that was 
neat to see play out in that fashion because yeah when he first gets arrested he's like has his chin up he's like marching around like oh you know i'm a badass and he's talking shit to the victim's parents and stuff and i guess that might probably been more in like his denial phase and then i'm I'm sure he probably had to like you know team up with like Aryan folks and um prison or whatever in order to save his uh, probably protect his ass and then you know, finally, when he gets with um, the nun, it's more of like the remorse stage. So those all play out in kind of a strange way just because they're um, we don't see like his whole like history in prison. So um, it unfolds in kind of a strange way. But at the same time, if you think about it, um, that complexity, you know, does make sense within him. I mean, yeah, no, any you know, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if it's a real thing. I imagine it is real to a degree, but you know, in most of your movies or TV shows where someone is in prison, there is definitely a bravado that they have to put off mm-hmm. versus how they act when they're in like council or with one, just a singular person versus the, I'm a badass thing, which I mean, I've heard from a lot of people um, who, you know, who worked in prisons and been around them and that kind of stuff. So that is a real thing that you kind of have to do, but still it's uh, you know, you, so yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that that in, within his character, you know, he he you know he had to get with the A B, um, you know, not get jumped by the black people, probably especially if he's you know dropping in words mm-hmm. and different things. Walk around um, swastika so. tags. Um, great casts yeah. all around. Uh, Sarandon, especially she, the way she emotes like concern, compassion, confusion, all great great stuff. She won the Oscar for this. Um, a lot of other nominations. So. Oh, she won. She won an Oscar for this. Okay. Um, her friend, the the one that's like always in the apartment with her and that stuff. The girl with the sh- the lady with the short brown, short brown hair. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, you know what I'm talking about. So it, it's very weird to see her in a in a role because I've seen her in two or three since the first thing I saw her in, and in everything since the first thing I've seen her in, she's always like a nice, good person. But the first thing I ever saw her in, which was uh, Justified. She was this just heinous, like evil villain. Um, And she was very good at it. It was a very, very good uh, story Mm -hmm. arc. And uh, so it's just very different, like to see her be a much nicer person, which I guess she wasn't super nice on um, New Girl, but she wasn't heinous. She was just weird, I guess. I don't know the right word to to say there, but. Uh, Robert uh, Proskay. Um, as the dis- defense attorney, that was an interesting choice because I always think of him as the real sweet guy from Mrs. Doubtfire. So, um, but it would make sense that a, a nice guy like that would agree to take on a, a client like that pro bono. And then um, he has a pretty good courtroom monologue whenever he's really sp- kind of explaining like the mechanics of um, lethal injection and you know making it out to be you know this. I mean. This is the best thing we've come up with, and it's still pretty um, barbaric. That and, you know, also explaining, like, the difference in uh, Ponsolate. So Sean Penn's character, you know, he got a state-appointed ju- mm-hmm. uh, an attorney that couldn't do that couldn't do shit, and the, his accomplice got, uh, you know, had a good attorney and so got life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we see, they're both pretty mm-hmm. equal, um, as, as we find out, um, because they both rape the girl and each kills one mm-hmm. person. So they're pretty equal in, in what they do. So, you know, the one to, to be on death row and the other one not is kind of interesting. 
throughout, I thought it had a really good um, authentic Louisiana feel. You always kind of feel like you're in the South with these, like, for instance, his mom, like, she didn't seem like an actor at all. She seemed like pretty um, kind of a real person. So um, I don't always hang my hat, or I typically don't hang my hat on authenticity, but um, I think in a, when telling a story like this, especially when it gets to morality and um, the political side of things, it is nice to have some relatability. For sure. Um, I'm with you on that. Speaking of authentic Louisiana feel throughout, so... Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that, that kind of got, got me, because I remember me and Carl talked about it. So when he's having, and we're jumping forward here a little bit, but um, it has to do with this specifically. Um, so he's having his final mm -hmm. meal and he's having shrimp and he's like, I've never had shrimp before. And I get that, you know, he's poor from mm -hmm. a poor family and, you know, you don't get a lot of shrimp, but like, this is Louisiana, mm -hmm. like fucking shrimp and crawfish are like every fucking where, like, it, I feel like him him never having had shrimp like is kind of crazy i feel like there would have been the it have been better for him to have had like a mm -hmm. steak and or like, like a oh well, i've never had something. prime rib or yeah or yeah something like that you know but you know shrimp it's like it feels like he would have stumbled on a, a a pot of gumbo or jambalaya or you know some other well, the term po' boy you know is you know is uh short for poor boy which that's just a shrimp sandwich yeah. so yeah, I definitely see what you're getting at. Where, I mean, he should. I mean, I can't imagine shrimp was all that I mean, expensive. I mean, there's probably shrimpers all over the place there. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I, unless he's just like like an area like, that's just like not into seafood. I mean, maybe it, it's it's possible. Mm -hmm. It just like that, and it was not such a big thing where I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe they did this. It was just I thought it was very interesting that that was what they went with mm -hmm. that it's almost like somebody like, like oh, never had from that. like iowa wrote that <laughs> wrote that in the script or something <laughs> like, oh shrimp i've never had yeah. that before <laughs> shrimp <laughs> i could go for some shrimp right now it'd be real good yeah i had some not so good pizza tonight but i digress i so um <laughs> no I, I won't get into pizza in the middle of our <laughs> oh uh, We'll, we'll we'll circle back to that after we finish because I also had okay. pizza tonight, so that's kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, it's interesting how she doesn't per she doesn't anticipate the fact of how angry like the victim's parents are that she's this um nun like supporting this uh what would that they consider this monster scum um which you can understand why they would say that especially with the way he carries himself um and all the the news footage. Yeah, he's um he's very arrogant. Um and he had like an air about him that I really couldn't put my finger on, like the way he had his hair, the way he had the little like shitty mm -hmm. goatee, um, and just kind of the, the the way he carried himself and I was like, I, I can't put my finger it's almost like he was a couple of different people kinda of rolling. Kind of wanna, wanna be Elvis kind um, of guy. Yeah, well he had the big pompadour um kind of thing. Like it, it felt like um, they wanted, or you know, maybe uh, you know, like Maddie Mac, or maybe not wanted, but it kind of reminded me of maybe like maybe Maddie Mac or someone like that, and where it's like he looks like someone else, and I just can't quite put my finger on it, um, because for the most most part, you know, 
us being our age, most of the stuff we've probably seen Sean Penn in, he looks older. So to see him younger with, you know, big hair slicked back and the goatee is kind of a different look. Oh, that so. was another trivia question I meant to ask you, but I didn't. Um, do you know what movie put uh, Van's shoes on the map? Um, Sean Penn from um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, wore the classic um, Van slip-ons that are the checker pattern. And overnight, everybody mm-hmm. wanted that shoe. Reasonable. I mean, that's what happens. All right. Another digression. Pizza and shoes. Let's get back to lethal injection. <laughs> well, let's rather talk about pizza, <laughs> bro. I'm fat guy. I like pizza. <laughs> All right. So trying to console the victims. Maybe she made um, misjudgment. Oh, that's okay. When she, I think that was probably this. I got distracted quite a bit watching this just because my kids were like, coming home and stuff. But the scene that really did get me in the feels was whenever they were describing uh, the last time they saw their daughter. That was that. That kind of tore me up. Is that um R Lee M- R Lee Emery mm-hmm. and his wife? Yeah. Also, he had a, he was not in the movie very much, but I mean, he was also very subdued for for mm-hmm. him. Like there wasn't eight hundred swear words. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not not the much different character there. Um, but yeah, no, both both sets of parents. So even the the other guy, um, the older guy, and the only thing I recognize him from was he was an, an episode of New Girl. Um, and but yeah, no, the, the parents like all like I said all. All of it was acted very well, and they all tell the story very well. Like I just, I, I don't know, just something about it. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was that we watched it on a streaming service that had ads, and it just broke up the timing. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. Um, but just something I just couldn't put my finger on. I do, I do think that spending half of the movie, the first hour, yeah, like the first hour or so, getting to the last day, and then the whole rest of the movie is the last day. Like I didn't like that, but digress um i i appreciated the scene where basically they need to get him to appear in front of this i guess um appeal board and they want to make him as sympathetic Mm -hmm. as possible and it really draws you into that scene because like the camera is like constantly like getting a little closer to their faces to make it more intimate and they're like pleading with them you know we got to get your mom up there to you know speak um you know on your behalf you're just like oh she's just gonna cry and to make me upset and it's exactly what happens but um you can definitely tell that you know they needed needed to make him more uh, human and sympathetic throughout this whole pretty much pointless appeal process and you even see like the confusion in sarandon's eyes like whenever he's going on and on about like you know i this appeal that appeal or whatever she's it's very very overwhelming you can tell um, her like trying to swallow all this all at the same time and be get over me yeah, intimidated and by him that and you know also like i think part of it was because it wasn't like she was trying to get him a new trial or get him freed she was just trying to get them to not kill him to just to take him off a of death row mm-hmm. and put him back with regular prison popula- population mm-hmm. kind of thing um also did you notice his brother oh um jack black yeah, very young, like a very baby Jack Black. Yeah. Good Lord. Long hair and everything. He's also in, I think, Daisy and Confused Jack Black's in. Um, also in kind of like that, doesn't say very much, but, um, you know, early role before he kind of had his breakout. 
Yeah, they had that scene um, on the last day where like they're all visiting with him and they're you know there's three boys and his mom and they're trying to start talking about girls and then it's like oh no we gotta we gotta be respectful because uh they were not talking about uh the girls very mm-hmm. respectfully and i think i misspoke i don't think it's days and confused i actually think it's um that uh, roller skating movie um the air up there or something i don't know um jeez i'm all out of sorts talk yeah, I don't remember him in Days Confused, but um, it's been a long time. I've only seen it the once, and it was a couple years ago now. So I'm trying to think. He was wasn't he in like? I feel like he was in like Freaks and Geeks or something similar to Freaks and Geeks. Airborne. That's, that's that was the movie I'm thinking of. Airborne. Oh, um, with um, is that the 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 the, the musicians like break into like the radio? Oh, that's tower? Airheads. <laughs> Airhead, so okay. No worries. <laughs> All right, moving on with this movie, which is a much more serious topic. Um, death penalty protest. That was a great scene. Showed between these two camps, like the folks, you know, like saying basically the state shouldn't have a right to, um, you know, murder because, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But then there's also people saying like an eye for an eye. So you have this um, more political conflict between with the, the morality of the whole death penalty situation. And although like your main characters are all, um, you know, on the one side of it, I felt like the, the movie was still pretty, um, fair. And, um, what's, what's the word? Um, impartial. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you're talking about the politics of it. So yeah, you definitely, you had the governor, like, running for re-election and like cracking down on violent crimes and pansy um parole boards and that kind of stuff so like you know so you you see all of that and you know you even have Persolette even saying like yeah i'm getting made of an example out of um you know for for his campaign so you kind of they're like doing the governor like they're appealing to the governor and you're like well this is this is honestly just a waste of time. Yeah, and they thought they were going to get a private meeting, right? And then they ended up being in front of a whole, like, um, press conference deal. Press conference kind so, of yeah, thing, that was yeah. A, yeah. a huge waste of time for them. Um, it was neat. There was another scene where she's talking to him, and it's, like, from the side angle. So it's not all the back-and-forth stuff between the um, the metal fence kind of screen thing it's off to the side where you see them all the both at the same time so it was it was really neat to see like the deliberate visual choices of how you shot these characters within such a confined setting and unfortunately i do think those limitations did kind of start to um drag it down towards the end especially but we'll get there um like how like she's in the She's driving down the highway and she's looking off to the side at like these institutionalized guys like working in a field. So um, I think all of that kind of feeds into this whole idea of um, incarceration. Oh, so speaking of that, so there was a scene at the near the very beginning of the movie. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember it, but I think it's when she's first leaving from seeing Persolet for the mm-hmm. first time and she gets pulled over by a right. police officer. And he gives her a warning and lets yep. her go. What the fuck? It had no, it was literally like the most one of the most useless scenes I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie. Um, I 
heard a little bit of context about this. Um, I'm not sure where I heard it, but that guy who plays the officer was with Tim and Shawshank. And so I... Yes, he he was the he was the bad prison guard. In so Shawshank, I think that yes. was just uh, just a little callback cameo thing. I think that's the the only purpose that scene served. Oh, uh, I mean, they could have made him like a, just a prison guard and not even even more of a callback. But anyway, that I also was sitting there going, man, where the hell is that guy from? And he couldn't mm-hmm. place it. And as soon as you're like, he was in Shawshank. I'm like, oh, he was the he was the head prison guard, mm-hmm. the, the the bad guy. Yeah, the he's bad quite guys. quite unpleasant in that movie. So, but um, yeah, I can see where you yeah. see. You're like, hey, w- w- what was the point of this scene? Because yeah, that seemed a little pointless. Like, because I, I kind of kept waiting for that guy to show back up in a scene or that to be referenced somewhere, and then it never happened. And me and Carl were both like, yo, what the fuck? I guess if you want to overthink it, maybe the fact that like he let her go with a warning, basically giving her the benefit of the doubt, just based on the fact she was a nun, like shows like maybe the privilege that like a, a woman or a nun would have and facing a law enforcement compared to like a guy that's, you know, trying to act all tough, but I'm probably overthinking it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I think at that point it could just boil it down to you boil it down to what white privilege. She's white. He's mm-hmm. white. She's a woman. Like, well, I was most making that contrast between her and Sean, uh, the Sean Penn character, but, um, Oh, well, well, yes, I guess. But you know, also she, She's not talking mm-hmm. back. She's, yes, sir. I'm sorry. Yep. So I don't know. I just thought it was just kind of a, a wonky scene that, I mean, it wasn't long. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, it still was just like kind of random that it was there. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, he definitely had a little wispy facial hair going on between um, the little patch in between on his, uh, under his lip and then uh, his mustache being a little, a little long. Um, we get in some insights from the the, the guards. Um, the one guy's like, yeah, yeah, my job is to put the leg up there. And then the one lady's just like, yeah, we don't talk about that. But then, like, all of them are saying, you know, it's just part of the job. And I think at one point, one guy's like, yeah, they just deserve it. So it was neat to see the perspective of the, the people actually carrying out the act. That's basically the um, the act in question throughout the whole film. Yeah, and then, you know, you get into it, how much are they projecting, like, because they also, because, you know, they're in such a macho area themselves, especially the female, I guess she's the head nurse or the head doctor Mm -hmm. or whatever, where she also has to seem hard. Like, I wonder how much of that would have, like, is projection of strength um, to hide maybe, maybe the horrors that they've seen kind of thing. But, you know, that's delving way more into what was shown it just again it's the well they deserve it you know they're murderers so fuck it we're gonna kill them kind of thing uh the scenes toward the end where he is starting to um open up to her about what actually happened i think that's when we start seeing some of the reflections of their faces in the in the the glass and between them so all that's real masterfully done some great visual flourishes there um let's see we get to see the normal guy around his family Oh, oh, okay. We see the um, the convict get to just kind of hang out with his um, his younger siblings, right? And they're just kind of having guy talk, and it, yeah, it shows him in a more natural and... feel. And even that, they cut short on him. Yeah, and he's still, you know, he, he had all of his stuff to give to his siblings, and he's, you know, you know, hey, be good for your mom, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, just, 
even it's that same thing even like the worst person has the people that they care about kind mm-hmm. of thing and then yeah i would say the, the last half hour or so is easily the most powerful part as you know we see him you know admit his guilt he uh, apologizes to the victim's family and says you know i now know that you know killing is wrong whether it be me or the um you know what the state now there's a lot a lot of flashbacks to the actual like killing which i didn't think that that needed to be like a mystery but i think they kind of overdid it just in terms of flashing back to that and showing little chunks over and over over again do you think that got exhaustive at all no, I think it was more of um, I thought I thought it was one of those things where like the more he actually revealed what happened, the more we were revealed to what happened. So I thought that was done kind of well, but it, it was one of those things I think so maybe maybe there was maybe one or two scenes where they probably could have merged them mm-hmm. together, kind of. But I mean, I do like that you know he finally he finally admitted it, but also to the same degree maybe. You know, maybe he leaves some mystery to it where he he never he never admits it, and so you're left wondering: Did he really? Was he really just an accomplice, or did he actually mm-hmm. do it? I, but at the same time, if if it would have left it more ambiguous, then I don't think because it's more of the 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 nun story. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's more of her story, but I think more of her arc is dependent on her actually succeeding at giving this guy some sort of. Um, redemption or um um solace peace internal peace about the thing so um i mean that's true and maybe this isn't the right movie word for it to be left ambiguous mm -hmm. but i also i think at that same time like if you don't really know but she's still trying Mm -hmm. to help I, i don't know it's hard to say like obviously us knowing you know typically i'm all for you know sometimes not having ambiguity like i'd like stuff not being ambiguous a lot of the times so i'm i'm definitely okay with that one thing i didn't think work was after he finally dies um they show like a scene of his victims in the wood like from an aerial perspective and then it cuts to him dead so i guess they're contrasting like them dead him dead dead is dead kind of thing but they're being like or a time gap in between like, those made it seem a little awkward. Go ahead. Or maybe it was supposed to be this leads to this. Mm. Or I also took it as, you know, it showed you know, the girl sprawled out. And I guess the guy was sprawled out. But then he's got his arms sprawled out. So maybe mm-hmm. it's like we're all the same or we're similar in death or something. Maybe maybe we're looking too much into it. I don't. Yeah, I don't they're know. kind of in kind of a cross kind of um, position. So, yeah, maybe. Um, it definitely stood out to me that he complains about having to wear slippers and a diaper, but that's how icky that whole process does get with people's, uh, basically their bodies being forced to shut down through the chemicals, right? Yep. All right. Um, almost done. Um, it was neat seeing the father of the son. So his wife leaves him because they grieve, they're grieving in different ways. But she, he grows a little closer to the nun and wants to um, start to open up to his heart. And he appears at um, like the funeral and stuff. So it was interesting seeing him have um, some more development compared to the other parents. And 
And the movie could have just ended right there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with the church and the, the greenery or whatever at the end was kind of yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of a soft ending. I, that I guess it would have probably been better if yeah, it probably ended at his actual funeral. Go ahead. I say I can't remember if it was before or after the funeral where you see her going back to like teaching and everybody missing her. Um, but I mean, that's, I think that was the scene right before the one you were saying probably didn't work. Yeah, or maybe yeah, like her like so. seeing like that she was missed and then sighing like a, a, a quick cut to black that kind of worked a little better too i don't know yeah all right um that's all my notes um very effective and engaging great um moral topics that comes up throughout uh, visuals authenticity um i think the movie was it being in this prison setting is a little it gets a little monotonous toward the end in terms of visuals um, and I think it's a little bit too, like we definitely get enough flashback throughout the first part of the movie to where when we keep flashing back to the actual act later on, I was starting to, uh, it was starting to wear on me. Um, yeah, again, I would repeat the fact that it, it has this real interesting, subtle artistic feel, but packaged in this Southern Hollywood court drama. And, um, I thought it was quite a treat four and a half stars. Um, like I said, I just couldn't put my finger on it at all. Like, good story, uh, good acting, all of that. But it's something about it, I, and I still, even after talking about it with you, can't put my mm-hmm. finger on it. I gave it a three. Mm. Like, like it's, it's definitely not bad. And I, anybody who's like, hey, I want to watch it, I wouldn't try to like convince them mm-hmm. not to. But unlike A Few Good Men or A Time to Kill or something like that, which those are straight courtroom dramas, and this is like a hybrid courtroom prison drama. Like, I don't know. It just didn't stand out as much. All right. To me. So we're going to talk about what we're doing next? Yeah, let's go. Let's All right. It. So you ha- you want me to pick a movie from 1985, correct? That is correct, okay, Amundo. Pull up my little list just to make sure I say the name of this movie right. Now... Any uh, any guesses? Now that you have to say, make sure you have to say this movie right. I have no. Well, it, it's not that it's no a con- it's it's not a movie that rolls off my tongue. That's the that's the the only thing I was worried about. So it definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be like Back to the Future or Ran, which I didn't think it would be Ran. We've already done <laughs> Ran. Um, and the first two-timer, let's go. So, yeah, I have no earthly clue, honestly. I was really looking at Demons. That looks interesting. But ultimately, I'm going to go with a movie called Runaway Train. Now, the thing that piques my interest about this is the fact that this came from a Kurosawa script. Um, he was directing this movie in Japan and basically had to switch to another project, Tora, Tora, Tora. And so, yeah, they eventually ended up making his script... Um, has stars John Voight. And the reason I came across this is it um, was listed as number one on the most underrated movie of, of 1985. So we're going to check out Runaway Train. Awesome. All right, let me spin the wheel of destiny, destiny, destiny. Destiny. Not to be confused with the game. Mm, yes, but made by Bungie. He also makes Halo. All right, we've got the number 33. Okay. And that's going to correlate to, ooh, 
Hail Caesar. Oh no. <laughs> the the Coen Brothers flick? Yep, the Coen uh, Brothers movie. There's like three or four of them in this list actually. Okay. So um yeah, big cast. Scarjo. Um, uh saw that either last year or the year before. So um okay. Revisit that one. Yeah, it's Josh Brolin, George mm-hmm. Clooney, uh, Ralph Fiennes, ScarJo, Swinton, Tatum, Francis, Mc, Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. of course. So yeah, no, um, cool. I'm been looking forward. Yeah, to this, this one. one was better than a lot of its reputation had uh, led me to think. So um, yeah, that'll be a nice breezy watch. Also, we get to talk more about ScarJo, and it looks like from this picture that she's gonna play like a hollywood bombshell that you know she's the new age version of so i'm down with yeah, that that's about that's that's pretty accurate all right and i flip-flopped a little bit but ultimately i would like you to pick a movie off of my acclaimed films i've never seen list and i just sent you the link for that uh, i think there's about 30 movies on there so Take your pick. It's a lot of uh, a lot of classics. A couple Criterion's. Um, Interested in checking out. Awesome. I'm. I'm gonna go check out that. There's list some noirs and, uh, on there, so I'm, I'm sure those are gonna probably weigh heavy on your mind. <laughs> I mean, probably. I do tend to like those. I did uh, uh watch one not that long ago in um, oh, shit. Uh, Angels and. Dirty Angels, shit, where is it? Uh, Dirty Angels with Wings? Angels with Dirty Faces. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, the the movie that the movie in Home Alone was based Mm -hmm. off of. All right, if you'd like uh, us to answer a question on the show, by all means, shoot it our way. We'd love to hear feedback from you. Got to check our inbox again. And uh, so, Joey... Why do we love doing this show? Mm, because we love talking about movies. But before we mm-hmm. sign off, so I know we mentioned it before, we did switch to Anchor. So if you're looking for us somewhere other than Apple or Spotify or YouTube, it is anchor.fm slash AJMCC. It should have all of our episodes already transferred over. Good job. It'll also link you to iTunes and to Spotify. And if you want to help support the show, there is a button there where you can do that. You can help us out. If not, no worries. We're just doing this for yeah. fun anyway, but it is there. So, but um, we do this, like we said, because we love talking about movies. So, absolutely. Well, join us next time for Runaway Train and Hail Caesar. And good night, everyone. Later.